Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This morning's scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and 6. The people walking in darkness had seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Mighty God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, gang, uh, can you believe it? We have made it into a Christmas season. Now that Thanksgiving is over with, we are officially here. Uh, believe it or not, I know some of you decided to have Thanksgiving, uh, just skip right over Thanksgiving and, and go straight from Halloween to Christmas season. I saw decorations in our neighborhood that uh, they went up as soon as Halloween was over with, as if you could just fast forward this year by just putting up your decorations. I know what you were doing. It doesn't work that way. But uh, here we are. It's official. We are now in the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> a month filled with Pinterest-worthy parties, nostalgic music, eggnog. Where are my eggnog people? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, we have the lights, the decorations. It's Christmas. But I'm sure like many of you, doesn't it feel a bit odd? Isn't there a little bit of dissonance about this season we're now in with Christmas and uh, our life uh, with the themes of joy and delight and family and friends and celebration and gifts, doesn't that feel just a little bit different this year? I don't know if a little bit more tinsel is going to fix it for us. Instead of treating, though, this like any other Christmas season, I believe that we have an opportunity to enter into a different kind of season. And actually, the season I think it's, that's perfect for us in this time is the season of Advent. Advent is a word that literally means an arrival. It means the promise of a coming. It means uh, this sense of awaiting for an arrival to take place. So the themes of Advent are that of expectation, longing, the longing for fulfillment, it's about waiting. This is how Advent stands in direct opposition with the, the Christmas season. Because the Christmas season is a season jam-packed with plans, with gifts, with debt, <laughs> with food. Like, it's just, it's just jam-packed. It's bloated. And the season of Advent is actually about emptiness. It's about longing. It's about hope as we see this candle burning right here. And the hope means that something you're faithfully waiting for. it. And so for me, I believe that this season of Advent is something that's actually incredibly time, timely for us. For us in our church for the vine, we're going to pursue having an honest Advent. The concept of this sermon series came from a book that a, a local painter and an author by the name of Scott Erickson he wrote, and uh, there's a book that, does anyone have a book handy? Andrew, I think you have it. 
So we're going to go through that book right there, Honest Advent, and it's 25 short meditations for the 25 days starting December 1st, and each day we'll have a meditation and each day we'll have an illustration. And so for this season, for us, we're going to try something different. Uh, We're going to try something called a Visio Divina. Maybe some people who've been around church world or been walking with the Christian tradition for a while have heard it of the term uh, Lectio Divina, which means like it's you get into uh, to Scripture and you slowly and deliberately read the Scripture with the hope and anticipation that Christ is going to lead you into a deeper truth for you, so that, that through the Scripture that God's going to speak to you. And now what Visio Divina is, it's uses the same concept, but instead of words, it uses pictures. So it's done through a visual art. And... You know this is nothing new. Uh, The Christian tradition is full of art. You know the Sistine Chapel, the beauty that was in that room that draws people into a deeper awareness of God. You also have seen this in, you know, the the Greek Orthodox iconography. You know, the pictures of long-headed, pointy-faced people holding fingers like this, you know, that artwork. Um, You also probably have had that artwork that's that's spoken to you in stained glass windows of churches in your background. So that's, you know, this is nothing new, but for us, we're going to try to do this. Each uh, sermon and each of those daily meditations, you'll have a piece of art to look upon. So today we have this interesting piece of art right there. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pause, take a look at it. And just consider, what do you notice? What do you notice in that? Okay, so what do we notice together? (laughs) There's no wrong answer. Someone made a mad or made a mess? Mess, yes. (laughs) Yeah. The lightning bolt. Yeah, and that's usually a symbol of what? Power? Lightning bolt, symbol of power, especially with deities, with gods. You can't maybe quite see it, but there's words on uh, the colored pieces. What are those words there? Mighty on the left side and God on on the lightning bolt. And what is on the left side? You know, I even filtered that. It's on the wipe, right? Mighty God. What this artwork might be trying to point to us is the surprising nature of who God is. The surprising nature of the Christ whom we were waiting for. The mighty God. So for me, as I've reflected upon that that's a that's a a piece of art that we'll find in that book honest advent that piece is pointing out the surprising nature of christ the mighty god and what we find right there is god came to us through our own humanity and if we know anything about being human if we know anything about how life begins it begins with vulnerability that's what one thing we can think of when we see that is vulnerability We were created 
to depend upon maternal self-giving. This is the only way we actually experience life, is through maternal self-giving on the care of the provision of caregivers. The only way we'll make it is because someone took compassion enough to see that vulnerability and to meet the needs out of love and mercy. So from wiping of the booty to taking uh, Gerber's food and feeding babies to hugs when knees are skinned or when thunderbolts strike outside, this is the only way we make it. It's because someone cares enough uh, to see our vulnerability and to meet it. But after a while, as people, we know as we grow up, after a while, we've somehow learned that vulnerability is weakness. And we learn what to do with our vulnerability. Uh, We learn to cover it. We cover our vulnerability with success, with power, with popularity, to be that self-made man or that self-made woman. Yet we all know beneath the surface, there still remains our own vulnerability. We still remain vulnerable. And this is something we have a hard time shaking, especially in our middle school years, right? We desperately try to cover all of our vulnerabilities, yet it's, they remain. They remain even in adulthood. I remember in college, one of my favorite things to do, and I still do this today, is when you see someone walking up to a bus stop and they realize that the bus is right there, they have two different choices they, that they can make. Either One is they just run off to the bus, or two, they remain looking dignified and kind of walk, try try to make it without looking desperate, which eventually they'll do this like walk-jog thing until they finally like realize that they actually have to sprint, just get it over with, look desperate, be needy, make it to the bus. Um, In our adulthood, we are reminded that our vulnerabilities remain, and sometimes it's when that job opportunity disappears It's not when our knees get skinned, but it's when our knees start going out. When our relationships disappoint us, we're reminded that we're still vulnerable. And hasn't COVID been a crash course in vulnerability? How like one little virus can cause the whole planet to stop. It can jeopardize so many things. We realize how vulnerable we are. Our economy is vulnerable. Our health is vulnerable. Our emotional well-being is challenged. We, as people, we're vulnerable. But there's good news. And here's the good news. is We find in our scripture reading, the scripture reading that we have in Isaiah, is that there's a promise of a mighty God. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. That, talks, that looks mighty, right? The government will be on his broad shoulders, and he will be called Mighty God. Context is always important. Isaiah, this is where the words are coming from. Isaiah is a a prophetic writing given to the nation of Israel right before they were taken off as captives. Right before they were taken off from their homeland, they're held as slaves and taken away. I mean, you talk about vulnerable yet isaiah's word says here it's almost like saying many years from now there will be a savior and you will know this savior as a mighty god and that's what we have right there that's what our picture of a mighty god is in this season vulnerable 
powerless, helpless in and of himself, a child. And even the way Jesus was born was so very vulnerable to an unwed mother bringing, bringing forth a child in scandal, having no sanitized place to give birth, no ambulance, no doctor, no doula, no epidural, just a young couple far away from home in the messy, scandalous experience of human weakness. Well, sure, Mark, sure. That's what Jesus was like as a baby, but then he grew up, right? But if you were to stop and think about it, would you say that Jesus' rest of his life, he continued to display vulnerability? The mighty God, as he grew up and as he lived and as he led and as he ministered, did he continue to, to display vulnerability? I sure think so. This is the picture that we have of Jesus, the mighty God. He's that of a suffering servant, a traveling teacher without wealth or status, a lamb led out to the slaughter, a pacifist who called others to turn the cheek and rebuked Peter when he caught off the inner ear of an enemy. He didn't hold an office. He didn't sit on a throne. He claimed no home, dominated without power. He fraternized he did not fraternize with the well-to-do. He died penniless, naked, and abandoned by the ragtag group of friends that he thought would follow him to the end. And even in some ways, he was abandoned by his own father. In standard terms, Jesus is not the picture of might. He's more like the picture of vulnerability. But what if what if that's actually it? The blending of those two. As the author Scott Erickson, he wrote, he said, in Jesus, we find a humble servant wrapped in human vulnerability who is obedient to that vulnerability all the way to death. Even if it happens to be death on a cross, Jesus is mighty not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship like we have to do. It is this compassionate empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. The surprising nature of the God of all might is not that he displays his might in the absence of vulnerability, but that he firmly situated in the middle of being vulnerable, Jesus' might was displayed that he remained compassionate, faithful, loving, gracious, though he was vulnerable, though he chose to remain vulnerable. Vulnerability of being fully human, enduring pain and suffering, that is a part of all our lives. So this Advent, we begin with this picture. We have this picture of a mighty God. We have a, a candle, a delicate candle of hope that's burning, that remains burning, even though it can be taken out very quickly. We have a picture of a mighty God who is born of blood and pain and uncertainty. This is the Christ who entered into our vulnerability, though he was naked and weak. And that's also how his life ended. And if 
Christ chose to enter into vulnerability to display his surprising might, I wonder how Christ wants to do that in your life today. If Christ chose to enter this world through weakness and vulnerability, I wonder what he might want to do where you feel weakest today. Instead of chasing a perfect tinsel-wrapped Christmas, instead of hiding our vulnerability like the Christmas gifts up in the closet, instead of cranking up the sounds of happy-go-lucky Christmas music, I wonder if instead, I wonder if we could be honest this Advent. I wonder if we could actually believe that Christ wants to meet us where we feel the most vulnerable. For Christ has come and will come again with his mighty power in this surprising way. Let's pray together. We thank you, Jesus, that you have not chosen to rule from a distance. We thank you, Jesus, that you came as one of us. You entered this world as one of us to show us that we have a shepherd, to show us a different way. So I pray as we enter into the season of Advent where we become more aware of our longings and our expectations, of our emptiness and our hope, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to um, to see you, to expect you, to meet with us where we feel weak. So friends, I want to give a moment just for you just to have some time of reflection with Christ. If indeed Christ chose to come through the vulnerabilities of this world, Christ may do it again. Where do you feel the most vulnerable? Where do you feel like your life feels fragile? Where do you feel out of control? Take that place, take that relationship, take that situation, take that need to God. Christ, I pray that you would draw near to those places of weakness and vulnerability to show your mighty strength and power. Thank you for being with us. I pray this in your name.